Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. How's it going? You good? Ready for the fall? Like, this starts this Wednesday. Let's just pray that the fall season doesn't fall away too quickly. See what I did there? Like it stays, hangs out. If you're with us online, hopefully you say amen to that as well. We're really glad that you're with us. Um, hey, if you and I, if we, if we went up to Hughes or Crimson House for a cup of coffee, I love coffee. Uh, even if you don't like coffee, they got other stuff. They got smoothies or, you know, whatever you want. Um, but don't get hung up on that. If we went to the coffee shop, sat down over a cup of coffee, and I asked you this question, I'm curious what you would say. What is the good life to you? What is the good life to you? Because if you went around and asked a hundred people if they want to live the good life, whatever that means, uh, what would they say? They'd say yes, right? A hundred people, they'd say yes. I'm, I'm curious what you would say. Maybe you, uh, if you would think about the good life, you think about this, put our thinking caps on. Uh, everybody got them on? I didn't see any movement, but okay, all right. You guys are real slick with it, like ninjas. Uh, you got your thinking cap on. Maybe uh, for you, it would be to be able to spend more quality time and, and have fun with, with your family. Like maybe the, like, like if you had that, I think I'd be good. Like if I had that, man, I'm rocking the good life. Uh, maybe for some of you, it'd be like you, if you could like never work another day in your life, you'd say, amen, yes, the good life. Um, or maybe, uh, it's landing the dream job of your life. If you got that, then you'd be living the good life. Or maybe it's you, you just have enough money that you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want and, and do whatever you want. And that would allow you to be living the good life, or for some of us, maybe it's uh, you think about a place, right? You think, if I could just live near some water, like ocean, lake, something like that, that's the good life. Like, you resonate with that graphic up there, right? Like, that's just like, yes, at the beach, I'm chilling. That's the good life. Or maybe for some of you, it's, it's you go to the mountains, uh, and, and you just get to be up there and be able to see from miles upon miles and maybe for some of you it's like i'm in the mountains and ain't nobody else there either like it's just me and i'm living off the off the land and i'm living the good life or maybe for some of us it's just like i want to get out of town i want to get some land and i just i'm fine with indiana i just want to have some some space to stretch and have an oasis of my own uh what would that be for you the good life see if you ask 100 people if they would want to live the good life they say yes and yet, uh, sometimes for a lot of us, there's a gap between our life and the good life, and sometimes it feels like the good life is a little out of grasp. Uh, the Forbes, Forbes, they did an article titled, Eight Things People Desperately Desire But Can't Seem to Attain. And, and really, they asked this question, like, hey, if you could name in one word what you would need more of, uh, what would that be? What you want more of in life? Uh, and, and really what they're asking is, hey, if you could have one thing that, that would fill the gap between your life and the good life, what would that one thing be? And, and the top thing was happiness. I just need more happiness. I just need to be happy more. And like any of us, would any of us say no to that? No, we, we, we'd be happy to be happy, right? 
Uh, some of us were like, uh, yeah, sure, for some people, you know, you're like, well, you need some happiness in your life, right? Uh, but the thing is, like a lot of people, it's hard to figure out what happiness, what even brings us happiness. So it sometimes feel hard to attain. Uh, the second thing was money. Um, maybe if you could just envision what the good life would be for you, if you had more money, like that would fill the gap between your life and the good life. Like if, here's the thing, like some of us would be like, ah, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm content, you know, I'm content. But what if like I said, hey, here's this bag of money, like maybe this bag, that's what's in it. And I said, hey, you, you want this bag of money? Yes. Amen. One honest person? You're like, okay, no, maybe not. Like, uh, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. Just don't tell anybody. Because I don't want them asking for money, you know. Because it's mine. Uh, maybe for some people, the third thing is freedom. Like, they would love freedom. Like, if I could just have more freedom, like, less people tell me what to do. Right? I just want to do what I want to do. And I also want to know what I want to do. Because sometimes that's hard to figure out. Uh, but I want to be able to just do whatever I want. I want more freedom. Less constraints. Less, less people telling me uh, what I need to do with my time. The fourth thing was peace. Like, who wouldn't want more peace? Right? We want some peace. Like, yeah, a good life, peace. We don't know how to, how to get peace. Like, what does that even mean? Peace, homie? Like, I don't know what that means. The fifth thing would be joy. Like, that sounds good. Joy, yeah. That, that really sounds good. But how do, you, how do you get that? Like, see, these are things that they... They want more of, but they just don't know how to, don't know how to get it. Sixth thing would be balance. Like, I want some work-life balance. I don't want to always be working, or I want to work some. I want to be at home, too. I want to have a good source of friends and, and relationships, and I want to have a plenty of balance in my life. I want to be able to walk the tightrope of life and not fall down and, and go flat, you know? I want to be able to have some balance. Some people said fulfillment. Like, I, I just want to be able to do something with my time that I know means something, that I know would, would contribute to society and then make a difference in people's lives. I, I, want, to, I want to be fulfilled in what I do. Um, and, and the eighth thing was confidence. Uh, you know, people, I just would like to feel a little bit better about what I'm able, able to do and capable of doing. Like, I just would love to not feel so insecure all the time. I would love to have a little bit more confidence and be able to be a little bit more assertive in my life. Like if I just had that, I feel like I'd be living the good life. What would be for you? See, th- that was kind of easy. Like we could all probably throw out some one word things that would be uh, the good life to us. But if you ask those same hundred people, if they want to live the good life, yes. Then you follow that up with this question. Is like, how would you describe it? Like really paint the picture. A lot of us would have a hard time describing what the good life would actually be. Because uh, we've got all kinds of people telling us what the good life could possibly be. And sometimes it doesn't seem to resonate with us. Uh, and so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what Scripture says would be the good life for us. And yes, we're going to recognize that maybe there would be, there is a gap between our life and the good life. But we're going to recognize the steps that we need to take to make uh, our life be the good life and have the good life be our everyday lifestyle. Um, and, and just so you know, like this series is very much connected to the last four weeks of what we were in, Battle Zone, where we, uh, if you remember, we had an anchor passage. Uh, it was Romans chapter 12, 
verses 1 through 2. And we talked about that for four weeks and, and really did a lot of work on our interior world, identifying the, the lies that we believe and waging war against those lies with truth so that we can be freed from the, the battle that is raging in our minds and be able to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by Jesus. And so this, uh, this passage or this series that we're going to do, we're going to really walk through the rest of Romans chapter 12. Uh, because I believe this, this chapter has so much richness, so much goodness for us. And if we would hear it and receive it and live it, then, then that would change everything for us. That we would actually be stepping into the good life. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 3. And so I'd encourage you, as we are walking through this series, um, dig into Romans 12. Read through it. Read a couple verses each day or read uh, the chapter each day or whatever you want to do. Read it half, halfway through and just dig in and see what God has to say to you. Uh, this is what Paul says to the church in Rome. Uh, this is how he says it in verse 3, Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So remember, uh, Romans chapters 1 through t- chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Paul is encouraging us to let Christ uh, fight to renew our minds, right? To, to transform us by the renewing of our minds. And he follows that up, that conversation, uh, up with this, where he's encouraging us to think about ourselves in the right way. Uh, but before he gets to that, he says, by the grace given to me. You see, Paul uh, was a persecutor of the church, and then Jesus captured his attention, captured his life, and changed his life, and gave him uh, grace, gave him something that he did not deserve, but he uh, did not earn it, and yet he received it. It was grace, and Paul was given grace, and part of that grace was a gift, an ability to be an apostle, one of the leaders of the early church, and to be one who teaches what the will of God and the word of God is. And so Paul is saying, hey, God's given this to me. I want to give this to you. And so he says to think sensibly. Everyone ought to think sensibly about oneself. By the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. You know what Paul is inviting us to is a thing called self-awareness. So, like, do you see yourself as you really are? Or do you have some blind spots? Do you have some filters that you see yourself through that sometimes you get in, it gets in the way of you being able to know how you really are, how you have come across to people, what it's like to experience you? Like, what's it like to be on the other side of me? How, how do, what does that look like in my life? How am I self-aware? Do I see myself as God sees me? Or do I see myself as more than what I actually am? See, Paul is getting after the idea of, hey, uh, you are someone who's been transformed and is being transformed. And he's given you gifts, which we're going to get to, uh, specific skills, specific abilities to do things for people's good and God's glory. Uh, and that's part of the good life. But Paul wants us to not overestimate who we really are. Because some of us, we struggle with overestimating ourselves. Uh, some of us, we, we think we have to help everyone. Like that, it's up to us. It's our, we have the capacity and the ability to help literally everyone we see who is in need. 
We overestimate ourselves. We, we, don't, we don't recognize our own limits in that. Others of us, we think, because I know best, uh, I know, I, because I know the most, I know the best. I know the route that we need to take. Some of us, we believe that we've got to be the ones in charge in any given situation because we are the ones who have been given the gift of leadership. Um, and sometimes we overestimate ourselves because that's not really how uh, it is because sometimes we can think that we ourselves are the savior. It's up to us to save that, that family member who is going against God, who, who is not following after Jesus, who really needs some help and needs some hope, and it's up to us to save them. You see, friends, you are not the savior, but you do know the, the one who is. Uh, and yet some of us, we, we think that we need to be in control in order for things to go well. And Paul is inviting us to see ourselves as fully human size. Fully human size. Not to not think so highly of ourselves that we stretch ourselves beyond our capacities and think that the outcome is our responsibility. See, sometimes you can be the most loving person to someone. You can be the one who sets the best example, gives them the greatest gospel presentation ever shares your story encourages them in the truth of what jesus says and yet they still may say no and some of us we take that personally as if we failed and paul is encouraging us hey um keep in mind the one who's on the throne is the one who's in charge the one who's on the throne is the one who's in control and the one who's in charge is the one who may woo someone to himself and you all you need to do is be faithful to do what you're called to. And yet sometimes, some of us, we don't really have an over, a problem with overestimating ourselves. We have a problem of limiting ourselves before we even take a step. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not capable of, of, of doing that thing. Like, I'm just, no, no, no. Like, if God, if you only knew what I've been through and what I do, uh, you would know that I'm not qualified to do the thing you're calling me to do. We argue with God, like, no, I'm not the person. I'm not the person. Uh, some, some of us think if we get involved in something, then we're going to be the reason it falls apart. Some of us think that um, we are not equipped to do the thing that we know we need to do. And so Paul wants us to see ourselves not only as fully human size, but if you follow Jesus as fully human size who is empowered by the power of God. And that changes things. That changes things because it's not only up to you. It's up to him working through you. And that changes things. And that opens the door for us to live the good life. See, Paul is inviting us to see ourselves through the frame of being people who are in process, who are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do you understand? Romans 12, verse 2, uh, he is not saying, hey, uh, you go through this one transformation, this one day. It was a Wednesday. You know, it was a Wednesday. You, walk, you woke up. It's hump day. You got to get through it. And then you got transformed. And then everything else, smooth sailing after that, is Friday, every day. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. Every day, every moment, we are being transformed. So what does that mean? That you and I are still in process. That means you've not arrived. That means your level of maturity that you are in right now is not the level of maturity that God wants you to be. The level of growth that you are in right now is not the level of growth that God has for you. See, you are still living, you are still breathing, uh, and God's not done 
with you yet. The work he started, he's going to see it all the way through. And so what does that mean? It means that not only do you see yourself as someone who's still in process, you give yourself some grace when you fail because you will fail. And you keep, keep striving to follow after Jesus, but you also give that same grace to other people. That they're still in process. That when they do something that hurts you, you understand that uh, maybe they're not where God wants them to be yet, and you recognize in yourself the same truth is still present in you. And so Paul wants us to see ourselves as we really are, and then he sets us up to be able to receive what he's about to tell us. Romans 12, verse 4, he says this. Now, now, as we have many parts in one body, many, he's using a metaphor, y'all, many parts in one body, uh, the, a body, a human body, he's using that as a, as a metaphor. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, uh, the arm bone connected to the hand bone or whatever, you know, and they do different stuff, right? Arm, the stuff different than the hand, you know, you got different functions. You ain't walking around on your head, not advisable, right? Maybe for a second, just for some fun, but don't keep doing it, um, okay? Verse 5, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ. We, the church, are, mi- are many, but one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're all connected. No matter what function you have in the body of Christ, you are connected to other people in the body of Christ, whether you know them deeply or not. That's the bond that has been made through the blood of Jesus. We are bonded through the blood of Jesus to each other, that we are now brothers and sisters in Christ and individually members of the body. We are all a part of this, y'all. And then he says this, uh, verse 6, according to the grace given to us, the grace given to us, so Paul says, by the grace given to me, I'm going to tell you this, uh, according to the grace given to us, because we've all been given grace if you follow Jesus, we have different gifts. Different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. He's saying, hey, you all have a part to play. You've been given a gift. And whatever your gift is, use your gift. Use your gift. See, this is, I love what God has done. Like, if we could just grasp it, it'd be amazing. Like, this is what God has done. He saw you before you were ever even born. Before he ever made you, he knew you, and he knew what you would do. He knew all the good things you'd do. He knew all the bad things you'd do. He would know the things that you did with your with your friends when you were kids and you got in trouble, or maybe you got away with it. He knows the thing that you keep locked down deep inside your heart that you sinned, and no one else knows about it. He knew about it before he ever made you, and he loved you enough to decide to see you in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your mess, and decide to do something about it. That's why Jesus came on the scene. He came onto the scene as the king of the kingdom of God, and he is uh, comes and he starts doing miracles, right? He starts healing people of their sickness, healing people of diseases. He starts be- making blind people see, lame people walk. He starts to be able to see everyone start to see what the kingdom of God is. He wipes away tears, right? Because the kingdom of God is a place where there is no more pain, there is no more tears, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death. And that's what he starts to do. He raises people from the dead. He starts to say, hey, this is what you were meant for. This is the place. And so then he starts to do some work and he leads himself to the place 
of Calvary, where then he lives this perfect life and he takes, takes it upon himself to put himself on this cross so that he could pay the payment that you and I owe against God. Because we've all sinned and that makes a sin debt. And we have to pay that. And yet it's an infinite price because we sinned against an infinite God. And we can't pay it. Because ain't none of us walking around with infinite cash. Right? We ain't stacking it like that. And so he says, hey, I'm going to take it upon myself. I've got the checkbook to clear the check. And so he gives himself, not only for you, but for the people who are nailing him to the cross. He dies for them too. Because he saw that we were in bondage to sin and death. That without him, we had no hope. And so he, he dies on the cross. And then on the third day, he completes the story and rises from the grave, defeating sin and death once and for all. Holly's into it. She's, she's got it. And then, not only that, but he tells his disciples, he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Uh, the, the work is not done. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, not teaching them to just know, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded of you. And surely, remember, I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. So he gives them a mission, but then he also gives them a promise. And he says, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I want you to go out and tell the people. I want you to go and do that. You'll know what to do when the Holy Spirit comes. And so not only does God uh, send Jesus to rescue you, but what he does in that is he takes you from being enemies of God to children of God. Now you are adopted into God's family, given new life, and then indwelled by the Holy Spirit so that you would live out the mission that God's called you to live. So that it's not like, hey, uh, yeah, I got my get out of jail free card, pass, go, get my 200, and then now I'm going to start acquiring some stuff, live my best life, wait for heaven. Yeah. Yes, that's not what he's calling us to do. He says, hey, I have a mission for you to do this, to make disciples. And then he gives us a gift, each one of us, to use for people's good and God's glory. So, so for, for, for a lot of us, right, we, we've started to wrestle with, okay, what is our gift? And, and we've started to be used by God in ways now that we never were used by him before, before we surrendered to Jesus. See, here's the thing. You'll only get a spiritual gift if you surrender to Jesus. That's, that's the only way. God's giving you skills. Apart from that, general, general grace, like he's just giving you, graced you with different skills. But this is different. This is a spiritual gift. And, and, and the thing is, like, if you follow Jesus, you've been given this. You've got it the Holy Spirit wants to do that in you. He wants to use that and, and have you and your gift to be a vehicle for God's love to reach the people around you. But the problem is a lot of us, we follow Jesus, we, we've surrendered him. We call ourselves Christians. But we're, we're out here just not using our gift. It'd be like this. Be like you got the jersey. You got the jersey, and you're going to the game, all right? You're heading to the game. And you're excited because you got the jersey, you got the equipment, you got all the stuff you need for this game. You're pumped up, y'all. Like, it's, you about to get, you got to get up. If you're playing hockey, you got to get up and hype because it's going to go down when you get on that ice. And so you're excited. You get to the, to the rink, and you're ready to play, and you go into the locker room. You put your stuff down. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Yep, I'm good. I'm ready. 
ready. You got your stuff. You sit down to get dressed because y'all, um, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of stuff in this bag. This bag's pretty big, okay? There's a lot of stuff in here, and it takes a while to get dressed for a game, okay? So you sit down, and you're like, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm ready to roll today. You open it up because you got to get start getting dressed. I'm not going to do the full uh, tutorial. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> You got your shoulder pads, you know, you got you to gotta protect them. You know, you got your, you got your leg pads, you know. And, uh, but for the sake of this uh, demonstration, we're just going to put on a few pieces of equipment, okay? Because it would be weird if I did the whole thing, all right? Y'all would be like, well, he ain't coming back. Uh, so, you know, you get, your, you get your stuff on. You got your jersey. You got your equipment. You got your helmet. That's the second to last thing that goes on. Put that bad boy on. You got to strap it up if you want that thing coming off. Uh, when you're in the middle of a game, that would be bad. And you put these things on. I gotta get new ones. These are real bad. And if you, uh, shake my hand before I wash my hands after church, uh, just know your hands gonna stink for about two weeks. <laughs> That's not a joke. Um, so you get up, you're like, yeah, I'm ready for this game, baby. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, go out, leave that locker room, feeling good, you know? And, uh, you walk over, and you pass by the entrance to the rink. And, and instead of going on the ice, um, you decide to go over to the bleachers. Because you're like, yeah, I'm ready for this game. Yeah, boy, yeah. <clears throat> Let's go team. Let's go team. You're over there sitting on the bleachers in full equipment, full full uniform. And you're just sitting there ready for it to start. Wait, you get my popcorn? All right, cool. Eating your popcorn while you watch the game with your, with your stick and everything. Ready. To watch. You've got the jersey, you've got the equipment, you've got all the skills to be able to do it, and your teammates are thinking, hey, uh, bro, like, you're supposed to play center on the second line. Um, what are you doing? Can, and imagine what your coach thinks. He's, he's invested in you, you tried out, you made the team. Um, he equipped you with all the skills that you needed to, to do well. You, you did practice. You, you talking about practice. We went to practice, and, and he was ready. He was excited to see you do the thing he's equipped you to do. And what did he tell you to do? He said, hey, go out there. Play. Play your position. Give it, give it your all. Give it your whole heart. All your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything. Leave it all out there. Quick shift, because you're going to get tired real quick. Let, let the next person get on the ice. But you're on the bench. You're ready to go whenever I call you. Instead, you're sitting in the bleachers. And it's like the coach is saying, hey, um, did you hear me when I told you what you're supposed to do? I told you to, to serve one another in love. I didn't say, hey, if you think about it, if you, if you, if you might want to think about it, like you might consider it, like could you please serve one another in love? He's like, no, man, I, I gave you, I literally gave you a gift specifically for you to serve one another in love. And when you choose not to do it, you're insulting the coach. And think about what the teammates would think if they recognized if it was that clear. That you've got this gift that would be good for the people around you. The, the person you bring to church who really needs to be encouraged, but the person next to you is not living in their gift and... They didn't receive that grace because we weren't willing to 
live that way, weren't willing to be obedient to what Jesus said. I know that's a ridiculous kind of uh, illustration, but I think on some level that is exactly what we do when we say we're a Christ follower and we don't serve. We've got the skills. We've got the jersey. We're on the team. Have you gotten in the game? Have you served? Are you serving? I know, like, hey, you know, maybe one day you're like, ah, it's getting hard on the knees. Can't do it anymore. Maybe you don't need to play center anymore. I know I'm using some hockey terminology. You don't need to play forward, offense, and play some defense. Maybe you get some, play some goalie. Whatever. And get out there and, and play. Get in the game. Have you gotten in the game? Have you started to serve the body of Christ? Or, and I know that many of you have, and I'm, I thank God for you, that you decide, you know what? God's, God's gifted me. He's given me these skills. I'm willing to use them for the sake of people's good and for God's glory. You see that serving the church and serving people out in the community is not just some option, but it's a mandate. It's a command from our king. Uh, I'm grateful for you. But I just, with all of my heart, for those of you who haven't been serving someone, I just urge you to, to just give it a shot. I don't say this out of condemnation. I just say it out of, hey, this is what our king has called us to do. I'm not saying anything that he's not already said. If you have a problem with it, take it up with him. And so have you gotten into the game? He's calling you to come in. See, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has given, if you follow Jesus, if you surrender to him, if you're a Christ follower, he's given you a gift. And all Paul is saying, hey, use it. That's it. Use it. If it's teaching, go on and teach with your bad self. If exhorting and exhortation, just do it. Like Nike. With diligence, showing, leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever gift you've been given, go and do it. Go and use it. Go and bless someone in the name of Jesus. But understand, the world wants you to believe, y'all. The world wants all of us to believe that the good life is found in acquiring more for ourselves, in getting mine, getting mine. I'm going to do me. I'm going to just look out for first place. I'm going to look out for me and myself. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not what the good life is. That's not where you're going to get it. You're not going to find fulfillment or happiness and all those things. This is what, what is the good life? It's this. The good life is using your God-given gifts for people's good and God's glory. That's what the good life is. The good life is using your God-given gifts for people's good and God's glory. He, that's why he gave it to us, y'all. He gave it to us so that we would be a body that can move and can do things and can, like, function. But if one of my legs ain't working, it's a little bit limiting. Right? That's what be a time to say, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So the question is, right, for a lot of us, how to discover our spiritual gift? How do I, how, all right, you, here you, Brandon, a little obnoxious illustration, funny, <laughs> uh, but how do I discover my spiritual gift? How do I know what position I need to be on, on the ice? How do I do it? How do I figure it out? Well, here's the thing. Um, my biggest advice, my biggest, from me to you, 
for getting to know what your spiritual gift is, is simply this. Are you ready? The only way you can find it is to start serving. Trial and error. You're, you're not going to... I mean, maybe the Lord will just be like, boom, there it is. Thanks. That's great. Then use it. But you may have to just start serving in some place and find that, oh, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> and move on. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going... No, that's not going to work. And you be open to what God is going to lead you to. Because maybe it's a space that you never thought it would be that he gifted you to do. Um, you have to just be open to his leading. And, you know, you can do these spiritual gift assessments. You can find these online. Uh, and I can send you one if you want. Um, but here's what a spiritual gift assessment does. You understand this. Um, it asks you questions based on how you've served in the past. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if it asks you questions on how you serve people in the past in the name of Jesus, and you never served someone in the name of Jesus in the past, it's not going to do you any good. So you got to start serving. you got to start using your gift, using what, just bringing yourself. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 12, verse 1? He says, uh, lay yourself down as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, our, this is our true worship, right? That's what he says. And so he is encouraging us to discover it through serving. That's what he's called us to do. And here's the thing. We are members of one another, individually members of one another. That's what he says. So we're all parts of the body. Some of us are the pinky. Some of us are the armpit. That's probably me. Uh, and some of us are the knee. You know, we've got different functions, all important. I don't know what the armpit does, but, you know, here I am. Um, but what we're called to do is to see that we are in community and to exercise our gifts, to serve alongside of other people and give some people, maybe your community group, to give some people permission to say, hey, hmm, uh, I see you're trying to teach. Uh, that's great. But I don't think that's your gift. And lovingly just say that. Hey, I see that you're, you're trying to like be on the greeting team, but you have a really hard time with smiling. So I think we need to move you. <laughs> Maybe you're the security team, you know. You know what I'm saying? You need, you need people in your life who can just say, hey, I, I see this. And call, out, call that out in other people. Like if you see someone who's not serving and yet you can see the gifting that God's given to them, then call that out in them. Hey, I see this in you. Can, can, would you be willing? I think this is what God would want you to do. And just be willing to say that. Go out on a limb and say, hey, I see this in you. How many, like how many of us? would have been willing to take a step if someone saw something in us and believed in us and believed that God was working in us in a specific way because we couldn't see it in ourselves. Probably a lot of us would have been willing to take another step. So get some people in your life. If you're not in the community group, get in one. We're getting them started. And if you're not serving, then get in the game. Hear me right now. Like if, if you, uh, maybe, maybe you're the person, you got the, you got the jersey and you've been serving, you've been using your equipment, you've been, get, been getting a game and, and you've been scoring goals, you're making assists, or you're hitting people real hard because that's the most fun. Um, you know, it's a metaphor. Um, and in love, right? In the name of Jesus. Um, I check you in the name of Jesus. Sorry, bro. Um, 
Maybe you've been serving. Maybe you've been using your gift, and I thank you. God bless you for that. Keep doing it, and, and I pray that God would give you endurance and strength to keep on going. Maybe you're someone, you got the jersey, you surrendered to Jesus, but you've not been using your gift. I'd encourage you, just give it a shot. Just take a step of faith and let him use you. Go out into a place of discomfort so that he can grow you through it because he will. And maybe some of us, there's maybe somebody in this room or on, on, on the stream, uh, maybe you've not gotten the jersey, you've not surrendered to Jesus, you've not gotten on the team because you've been wrestling with, like, is, is it real? Like, maybe, maybe like, you've kind of been open to the idea of God, but you've not surrendered to Jesus. Or maybe God's just a foreign idea or, or whatever. Like, wherever you find yourself, let me just say this. And this is true for all of us. And any of us, any of us who've uh, been walking with Jesus would, would say amen to this, that God saw you before he ever created you, and he loved you, and he created you fearfully and wonderfully with a purpose, with a plan in mind for you to be his child and for you to be able to live a life of meaning and to make a difference in this world while you are enjoying the presence of him every single day. That is what he designed you to be. But if you've not surrendered to Jesus, then you have no hope apart from him. And that's the first step. You need to be uh, set free from the bondage of sin and death that you are entangled to because all of us in this room have been there. We've all been there. And what we recognize, a lot of us, we recognize that that is not a winning uh, re- recipe. We, we have no hope without him. And we need him to set us free. And we surrender to him as king because that is who he is. And he will give you a whole new life. A whole new life. With new gifts. With new purposes. With new desires. To where you will be a completely different person than you are today. That's my story. And if that's your story too, can I just get an amen? So I'd encourage you, if that's you, then, then I'd love to talk to you after service about what it looks like to surrender to Jesus. If you're online, then, then reach out to us on the Facebook page or, or reach out to us on fccfamily.com. We'd love to talk to you. Have you gotten in the game y'all he wants to use you because the good life is using your god-given gift for people's good and god's glory the good life you want to live the good life it starts with surrendering surrendering to jesus and then being used by jesus for the sake of someone else the good life have you gotten in the game i hope you have and if not Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading because I think he may want you to jump in. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray. King Jesus, we come to you um, recognizing that you are in charge, that you uh, are so good and gracious to us that you've given us uh, not only hope and salvation and joy and peace, and love but you've also given us a gift to bless people with you you've given us the ability to uh, to join you in this endeavor that you are doing to bring your kingdom and your will on earth as it is in heaven god would you use us please help us to see ourselves through the frame of being people who are being transformed by you that we are still in process And so we may fail, 
pick us up when we do. God, God, call us to what you want us to do. Help us to hear you when you do. Help us to see that the good life is not found in what this world offers, but is found in living the life you've called us to live. Help us to recognize what our gift is and help us to see uh, what that could uh, look like in, in a very practical way. And Lord, give us courage to take that step of stepping up and serving you, to serving people in this community, in this church, and wherever you give us an opportunity to go. Lord, help us to, to use our gift in our home, with our family, with uh, our friends. Help us to use our, our gift in our spheres of influence, our spheres of relationships. And help us to enjoy the gift you've given to us, but not more than we enjoy you, the one who gave it to us. Father, we come to you as your children, thanking you for who you are, and we want to praise you and worship you through this song. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.